What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And with me is Matt Kelly. You can find him on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. Matt, what's up with the intro? Why are we why are we shaking it up? Oh, goosebumps, Nate. Goosebumps. Shiver runs down my spine when I hear Adele sing Skyfall. The sky has fallen on the Dynasty community. There's been a shakeup last couple weeks. You shook them up, Nate. You shook them up. <laughs> back-to-back shows. The response has been overwhelming from the people that have listened to them, and they've listened in the thousands, if anybody's keeping track. But that intro was a little reminder and a moment of silence for those that have been crushed. And like Matt said, the sky's fallen on the Dynasty community, and we're moving forward, but we felt like we should honor the dead. Oh, Jesus Christ. Last week, I had Ben Cummins on the Mind of Mansion show, and he referred to Vincent Jackson as dead. And I said, what are you doing killing Vincent Jackson? Now you're killing fantasy analysts. Enough with the death and destruction. But I will say, I did feel like a superhero the last couple weeks, and one of those superheroes that transforms into a beast and just rampages through the enemies but then wakes up a day later in the fetal position in the mud and has to be nursed back to health. That's how I feel every time we go on one of those rampages. This week, I've been nursed back to health. I am not myself. I am weakened after expelling all of that energy to defend this show and vanquish our rivals, Nate. So while I'm weakened, I feel satisfied. We should probably also make note, if if it wasn't obvious by some of the tweets that Matt sent out, uh, we're not going to go to the rap thing all the time. I, I've had numerous people say, Why are you saying that? Let the suspense build. They never know <laughs> if they're going to get a rap. Why are you telling them now? Are you afraid that someone's going to criticize you for not rapping? You're trying to get out ahead of it? Yeah, I'm trying to jump ahead of it. Look, here's the thing. For all the energy that Matt's talking about expelling on his rant and his takes defending the show, those rap verses that I have to sit down and waste the brain cells on, they take a lot out of me too. And Not a waste. It was not no, a waste. it wasn't. Take that back. Take it okay, back. Okay, I take back the fact that it was Gross a waste. Gross mischaracterization of the rap. Those raps were epic. They were universally applauded. Mm-hmm. They were not a waste at all. Anything but. It was the signature moment in our show's history. <laughs> Your raps. <laughs> Two years in, it doesn't come up. And then when it does, the, the following next couple weeks, it's used It's used for the better good of the show, but not of the people that it landed on. Like like I said to Matt, it's, it's only going to be used from this point on if we need to napalm an entire jungle. If we need to just decimate the land in which the people are inhabiting. We we don't want to uh, overuse it. Can be no signs of life after you're done rapping. Right. No, nothing. Not a pulse, not a sound. Does that mean all the buzzards are gone too? I'd love it if all the buzzards would go away. No, they won't. But speaking of which, there is a buzzard email, Matt, and everybody, you already know this, but once again, you can contact the show. You can find us on Twitter at Sonic Truth Pod. 
can also find us on our email at sonictruthpod at gmail.com. Here's the buzzard for today. What is the true value of rookie picks, Matt? Less than you think. Less than I think. Less than you think. Now, we had Jacob Rickroad from Rotoviz on the show. He is one of the true thought leaders in the Dynasty community. And he appears in my book twice. The Dynasty Dominator is a comprehensive fantasy football Dynasty League handbook. It's available on Amazon, both the Kindle version and the paperback version. Look at the paperback version. I'm holding it up to you right now. Do you see the paperback version? Yeah, I can I can see it. it it's uh it's made of paper. No. It looks good though. Yes, yes, it is. It's it's cool. We've sold about three so far. <laughs> so sales are booming of the <laughs> Dynasty Dominator paperback edition. Uh, and Jacob Rickroads featured in a couple chapters. One of them is the youth hit rate. The percentage of first rounders that ever achieve either a top 12 quarterback or tight end season or a top 24 running back or wide receiver season is 50%. So it is a coin flip whether or not you're going to get meaningful production from your first rounder. Think about that. Incredible. Now, it gets a lot worse after that. <laughs> Second rounders have a 26.6% hit rate. Third rounders, and this one shocked me, 6.3%. Wow. Those years, Stefan Diggs, right? And then fourth rounders, negligible. Just forget about it. Stunning. Now, I think there's an exception that needs to be made, and that's to the top three picks. The top three picks hit at a much higher rate than first rounders overall. We're talking about Amari Cooper. We're talking about Todd Gurley. We're talking about Melvin Gordon. Your top three picks generally hit, certainly well above 50%. Now, the reason why the top three pick is not a sure thing is because you have players like Kevin White that get drafted in the top 10 of the NFL draft and fail spectacularly. And when we're projecting our rookies, we throttle their lifetime value according to the established rookie pick hit rate that Jacob Rickroad laid out for us. So when you go to our dynasty rankings, you don't necessarily see rookies ranked among the elite dynasty assets. Go to the wide receivers. You have to scroll and scroll before you get to Corey Davis. But I think we would agree Corey Davis has a high likelihood of being a fantasy relevant asset. But we still have him behind Alshon Jeffrey, Doug Baldwin, and Des Bryant. At the running back position, it's interesting. We have Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette after Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, and David Johnson, but they're still in the top five because there is a significant gap between those top three running backs and the rest. So even though rookies are in our top 10 running backs, we have no rookies in our top 10 quarterbacks, no rookies in our top 10 wide receivers, but we do have rookies in our top 10 running backs Joe Mixon, Christian McCaffrey, and Leonard Fournette because the running back position is largely devoid of elite players. I mean, there's three elite players and that's it. There's a significant drop from those three to the next group. So it's not a high bar to get in the top 10 running backs. That's one of my big objections to the criticism of rankings because I often will see a rankings critique featuring some arbitrary cutoff. How can you have player X in your top 25? How can you have player X in your top 10? Why are you arbitrarily cutting it off at 10 or 25? These are just easy round numbers. Doesn't mean anything. 
So what? We have Jordan Howard in our top 10. We don't like Jordan Howard, but we don't like many running backs at all. So it's not saying much that a running back makes it into the top 10. I wish the running back position had more depth. I wish there were more talents like David Johnson in the NFL, but there simply are not. There are three difference makers at the running back position. David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, and Le'Veon Bell. And that's it. And if you're not going to draft one of those guys, if they're off the board, you might as well go young. And you might as well go with a running back that was drafted in the top 10 who's not on the Rams. That's how I feel about the running back position right now. Because after those top three, they're all flawed. Devontae Freeman's in a timeshare. He's a committee back. Jordan Howard has an underwhelming athletic profile and he plays for the Bears. Todd Gurley is on the fucking Rams. And all these guys are in the top 10 because somebody has to be in the top 10. Do you want us just to have three running backs only on our dynasty rankings? No, we have to put some rookies in the top 10 because also the running back positions age adjusted production curve, which is also featured in the Dynasty Dominator book. Go to playerprofiler.com forward slash guides. There you can download the PDF, get the book on Amazon. Running backs peak at age 24. They do most of their damage very early in their career. So if there is a position for which you want to chase youth, it's running back and running back only. Now, tight end is interesting because the tight end position, we do have David Njoku and OJ Howard in the top 10 because These are two of the best tight end prospects we've seen in quite some time. Other than cornerback, it was the only position in the NFL draft with a significant depth of talent. It was a shallow draft across the board, particularly at the offensive line position. But you go across the positions in the NFL draft this season, not many players were projected to be studs at the NFL level. Shallow, underwhelming talent across the position groups with the exception of cornerback and tight end. It was the most talented tight end group we've ever seen, just speaking to prospect profiles. That's how David Njoku and O.J. Howard get into the top 10, but it's also not a high bar at the tight end position either. To get in the top 10, all you have to do is be better than Hunter Henry or have more lifetime value than Martellus Bennett and Delani Walker, who are now in their 30s. When we're calculating our lifetime value for each player, it's not that hard to accumulate more lifetime value than Delani Walker. Now, it's not a linear equation. When we're calculating lifetime value, 2007 production receives a significant premium. That's how Greg Olson can be in the top five tight ends. Because when we're looking at forecasted production over the next couple years, 2017, 2018 are heavily weighted compared to future years, 2019, 2020, etc. But it still hurts Delani Walker. It still diminishes his lifetime value calculation. Certainly have to rank him below players like Eric Ebron, who are 24 years old, as opposed to being 34 years old. The interesting player here is Jimmy Graham because I've been in a number of startups and I found myself having to make the decision, do I draft Jimmy Graham or do I draft David Njoku? I love both players. And sometimes my opponents make the decision for me because they select David Njoku and then I'm happy to come in and draft Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham is now on half of my Dynasty League rosters. 
happily. What do you think of Jimmy Graham? Well, as a Seahawks fan, obviously, I love Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham, I think due to the injury. Wait, what? What? Why would you say that? This is what? an unbiased fantasy football program. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Why would you just just cavalierly say, oh, sure, love Jimmy Graham because I'm a Seahawks fan. And that's the only reason we need on the Sonic Truth podcast. Like, what? I kind of I feel like this was a loaded response, but... I was en route to getting to my Are reasons why. Are you chewing on something? Them. Did you just put something in your mouth? Are you eating? No, I'm not eating on the show. I'd like to. I'd like to make my way to this point, though, if if it can be allowed. You just had five minutes to eat whatever you had to eat and think of a response. And with food in your mouth, you talk about how the only reason you like Jimmy Graham is because you're a Seahawks fan. Like, is this happening? I think perhaps you may have inferred it as me eating something, but my mouth went dry sitting here for an opportunity to to <laughs> add to what you had to say. So, <laughs> Touche. Right? It might have sounded like it. So, <laughs> look, okay, I like him because he's a Seahawk, but let's move on. Let, let's get to the analytics and the numbers here. Jimmy Graham, age 30 now. So, you know, there's a difference when we're talking about a tight end at age 30 versus when we're talking about a running back at age 30 or a receiver at age 30. Many of these top producers are late in their 20s or in their 30s. I mean, look at how long Jason Witten was a producer. Not to say that he might not still have a relevant season next year, but we're certainly getting out of it. Jimmy Graham in 2016 still had a very good year. And when you look at the Seahawks, this is an offense that is evolving. And we talked about it last season. Russell Wilson is throwing more. They're asking him to throw it more. Mm -hmm. When you look at how many times Russell Wilson threw in 2015 versus 2016, he had an increase of 13%, 546 attempts. So the Seahawks are obviously giving Russell Wilson the opportunity to throw the ball more. When you look at Jimmy Graham as a tight end for the Seahawks, you're going to see a difference versus when he was a tight end for the New Orleans Saints. And you're going to see it mostly in target distribution because for Russell Wilson in his five-year career, only two receivers or receiving targets have ever surpassed 100 targets. And that was Doug Baldwin twice in 2016, which is last season. He had 125 and in 2015, he had 103. Doug Jimmy Baldwin. Doug, <sighs> love Doug Baldwin. But Say the numbers that name are... feels like a good massage. The, the numbers are going up for Jimmy Graham, though. If you look at Jimmy Graham in 2015 with Seattle, he had 74 targets. That's the most, aside from last year, that Russell Wilson had ever targeted a tight end. Then you look at last season, he had 95. And he was very productive with those 95 targets. Very. 65 catches, 923 receiving yards, six touchdowns, a 68.4% receiving percentage. 9.7 yards per target, top six in the NFL, plus 17.6 production premium, player profilers, situation agnostic, efficiency metric, top 10 in the NFL. Jimmy Graham was a revelation last year. Look at the yards after the catch. Number five in yards after the catch with 319. And this is a team that has an injury to Tyler Lockett. And from people on the inside that I've talked to, I've actually talked to people that know the surgeons that worked on Lockett. And there is an actual fear that Lockett will not come back as the same player he was before this injury. There's a real concern about it. And I think with the way that this offense is trending forward with ProSize getting in the mix, Jimmy Graham will be the first tight end that Russell Wilson has ever had that's targeted for over 100 targets in a season. You can mark it down. It's happening. 
I'm marking it down. I'm writing it down. 100 targets for Jimmy Graham. I've written it on a piece of paper. I'm showing it to you right now. There it is. There it is. I wrote it down. The number <laughs> 100. Lock it in. It'll probably be more than 100. I mean, that's lock only five it in. more. That's only five lock more targets. In. Let's lock it in. Can we put lock a jail sound? Bars closing. <laughs> lock it in. Let's lock it in. Lock it in. Lock it in. No pun intended. Lock it in. Oh, wow, dude. I, I didn't even realize you were going with that. Lock it in. Yeah, you can lock it in for 100 lock targets. It in. You thought I was going to make a <laughs> door God. closing sound? God, I'm glad you're not the producer of the show any longer. So you're going to go with like a bone snapping then? What sound are we going to go with? <laughs> I'm going to go with the, the hi-hat. <laughs> Jimmy Graham, lock it in. That's the name of the show. <laughs> Jimmy Graham was very good. Lock in Jimmy Graham. So to your take, you were talking about Jacob Rick Road, and you were drafting behind him, correct? And Jimmy Graham was still on the board? Yes. Well, I actually didn't get to that yet. That was just something we talked about pre-show, but I understand that you're not good at podcasting. So Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You're bleeding in everywhere, talking about stuff that we weren't supposed to talk about on the air. And then forgetting to talk about things we said we were going to talk about on the air. Needless to say, I'm in a dynasty startup with Jacob Rickroad and a bunch of other ringers. And I was preparing to draft a tight end. I was excited to draft Jimmy Graham because I imagined that by the time the pick got to me, tight ends like Greg Olson would have been selected and there would be Jimmy Graham. It's been happening to me in every startup. Jimmy Graham just falls an extra round or two to me pleasantly. So I'm, I'm all queued up and ready to draft. All of a sudden I realize, oh, what just happened? I got Greg Olson because Jimmy Graham went four slots earlier to Jacob Rickroad. Jacob Rickroad preferred Jimmy Graham to Greg Olson. And I think it's razor close. We have them ranked side by side on the rankings on playerprofiler.com forward slash player dash rankings because Jacob Rickroad and I think Jimmy Graham is going to be epic this season. Jimmy Graham has a 1,300 yard season on his resume at the tight end position. Jimmy Graham has a 16 touchdown season on his resume. You think that's just because of Drew Brees? You think Drew Brees just wakes up in the morning and makes fantasy tight ends score 16 touchdowns? Fuck no. That's because Jimmy Graham's Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham scored 16 touchdowns because that's what Jimmy Graham does. When Jimmy Graham steps on the field, Jimmy Graham scores touchdowns. Doesn't matter who his quarterback is, but it is nice that like Drew Brees, Russell Wilson is also one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL. Write it down. 100 targets, 10 touchdowns for Jimmy Graham this season. Woo! Wow, that's that's strong. I like the 10 touchdowns. He ha- Write it down. You're not writing it down. I wrote it down. It's right here. Write it. I wrote your 100 targets down. Write my 10 touchdowns down. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Write it down. Zero- Jimmy Graham, write it down. That's the name of the show. Jimmy Graham, write it down. Jimmy Graham, write it down. That's the name of the show. All caps. Not lock it in because that was just a silly pun that you didn't know you were making. Well, you said it enough times. I didn't know what the hell was going on. I thought you were having an aneurysm. I only said it 700 times before you understood what was happening. God, it felt like a thousand. (laughs) (laughs) The other interesting thing about drafting with veteran player connoisseurs like Jacob Rickroad is that you're not able to select the veteran players that you're accustomed to selecting in these dynasty startups. I love dynasty startups because so many of my competitors are wasting picks on extreme long shots 
rather than picking established veterans. You have Dynasty Leaguers drafting Cooper Cup before Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen is Cooper Cup's ceiling, yet Cooper Cup is being drafted before Adam Thielen. This doesn't make sense to me. Jimmy Graham is David Njoku's ceiling, yet David Njoku is being drafted before Jimmy Graham in startups. This doesn't make sense to either myself or Jacob Rickrode. There is a general lack of appreciation for veterans and an overvaluation of rookies in Dynasty Leagues. It's something we've been lamenting for a year and a half on this show, and it's not stopping. People can't quit. They can't quit the rookies. It's a disease that there is no cure of. Rookie fever has no cure. As of today, the best doctors are looking into it. You apparently know doctors. Yeah, I know. Well, surgeons, at least. I don't know if that's cooler to admit than doctors, but sure. And I've talked to people about Jimmy Graham. And the reason why they're hesitant to draft Jimmy Graham is because they think they're doctors. They talk about this patellar injury as if they know what they're talking about, as if they've seen the MRIs, as if they're experts, orthopedists. You're not an orthopedist. You're not a doctor. Jimmy Graham is on the field scoring touchdowns. That's all you need to know. Fuck the patellar. That's old news. You're not a doctor. Draft Jimmy Graham. That's what I do. I have all my doctor friends send me the x-rays and I put them on a backlit board before I draft anybody. And I I review them myself because I want to feel confident that the injury has has healed and recovered. Nate Liss, MD. It's, a good, it's got a good ring to it. Because Dynasty League's generally lack an appreciation for veterans i think that we should play a game today to invigorate the community and inspire a new appreciation of veterans let's do a veteran wide receiver off veteran wide receiver off okay what's the basis of the game how do we play we're looking for wide receivers that are past the age apex that are also criminally undervalued looking at their dynasty adp so you can't just draft aj green Antonio Brown, Des Bryant, just because they've nudged past the age apex. You can't draft Demarius Thomas because he's not undervalued. He's valued correctly. Undervalued older players. We have to pick five and we'll alternate. And then we'll look back on our list of five, each 10 total. And we'll let the listeners decide who has the best five pack of veteran wide receivers. Mm, all right. I'm in. I like it. I like it. How, how do we how do we decide who goes first here? I have a coin, as oh. you can see here. Can I see both sides of it, please? Heads there, flip it. Okay, tails on the other side. It's legit, folks. It's real. It's real. That's a quarter. Will you mail me that quarter? Do you need that? Thank you, Nate. That was very important that you validated the authenticity of this quarter as if I would have a fake quarter for this stupid game that we play on the Sonic Truth podcast. But okay, thanks for that contribution. You never know. Here goes the flip. What do you call? Well, you already looked at it. You're going to flip it. Um, I'm going to go tails. Tails it is. You win. Wow. You get the first selection. Going my way for once. With the first pick in the useless Sonic Truth veteran <laughs> wide receiver oh, off. Don't do that. There, there's going to be something of value here. Okay. <sighs> Nate List selects. Boy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to select Emmanuel Sanders with my first pick in the veteran wide receiver off. I knew you would say that. You did not know that I would say that. With my first pick in the Sonic Truth veteran receiver off, Matt Kelly selects Deshaun Jackson, who mm. was born to catch bombs from Jameis Winston. That was D-Jax off the board. Deshaun Jackson, the most skilled wide receiver on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
man. That uh, that's a that's a shot right there. Yeah, because he could have a good year, and he's with a quarterback that's going to be slinging it all over the field. So the perfect fit of the perfect fits of the perfect fits of the perfect fits. Wow. Wide receiver to quarterback, quarterback to wide receiver. Wow. Okay. I feel like it's a hand in glove fit. I feel like Jameis Winston and Deshaun Jackson wear the same gloves. They just trade gloves back and forth. It's just such a hand in glove fit. I, I got to look, man. I'm, I'm looking at Deshaun Jackson's ADP right here. That That's pretty good. He's he, He's even got a worse ADP than Emmanuel Sanders did. So that's a good pick right there. It's ridiculous. Go ahead. Your next pick. Woo. With the next pick. All right. Since this is a value game. I am going to go with Kenny Britt, wide receiver, Cleveland. Oh, God pick. damn it! That's who I was going to pick! That's what I told you, my friend. You sniped me! Oh, this fucking coin! Oh, burned by the coin flip. As Matt looks down at his coin that's got the... God, to scratch off Kenny Britt! This is ridiculous! <laughs> oh, here we go! I hate my life. So in these games, you need to know your opponent. And I know my opponent. I know you very well, Nate. I know you better than you know yourself. Two people in this world that know you better than you know yourself. Your wife and Matt Kelly. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So with the second pick in the completely meaningless Sonic Truth <laughs> veteran wide receiver off, oh. Matt Kelly selects. Don't do it. Eric Decker. Oh, I was highlighting him, too, just because that's so good. I was going to say, I've got the cursor over the name that I'm picking next. Eric Decker is gone. What a wow. Wow. You know your opponent very well. Dagger. Dagger. Holy shamoly. Wow, that's uh You gotta recalibrate now, Nate. You gotta <laughs> Alright, that you gotta settle those nerves. Alright, hold on here. I gotta come up with this one. I need to know. Alright, here we go. The next one I'm going with. Shaky hands. I got shaky hands right now. Alright, I've got my pick. It's locked in. With my third pick in the very relevant, very important, scientifically based veteran aged wide receiver off i am going to select pierre garçon no god this isn't possible that's not possible that you would go pierre garçon the entrenched number one wide receiver on the san francisco 49ers tethered to brian hoyer a quarterback who famously feeds his number one option in the passing game Oh, I was so ready to talk about Pierre Garçon. I don't want to talk about him now that you have him. Sometimes. Now, now that you have him, fuck Pierre Garçon. Ha! ADP dip is coming. Oh, I hate that that just happened. Okay, I, I've got... I've got Pierre your... Garçon had a positive production premium last year. 9.1 yards per target. Talk about Jimmy Graham's yards per target. Pierre Garçon's 9.1, number 13th in the NFL, with a 70% catch rate. Do you know how many passes Pierre Garçon dropped last year? I'm not looking at it, but I'm going to guess two. Of his 114 targets, Pierre Garçon dropped exactly zero passes. Wow. And and he's going to a team in San Francisco, like you said, that had Jeremy Curley as the only real option last year. 115 targets to him. Quentin Patton below him. There is a desperation at wide receiver. He could have a target funnel coming his direction. So I like him on my roster. Could. Will. Will. Now what I can do, because you took... Pierre Garçon, and you didn't take the player I had queued up. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to write down who you're going to pick right now, and I'm going to hold it up after you pick it. This is it right here. I'm All going right. to pick an established NFL target hog who has been a go-to receiver for years and years. 
Mm. who may receive a quarterback upgrade at some point this season and is still younger than people think. People think of Jeremy Macklin as someone that's been around forever. Jeremy Macklin, he's only 29 years old. So we still have Jeremy Macklin in his 20s, priced like he's about to retire. Give me all the Jeremy Macklin. Mm. Who did you have written down? I had Mike Wallace written down. That's where I thought you were going with that pick. I thought you were going Mike Wallace in that spot. But I, you know what? Much better selection. The idea that Patrick Mahomes is going to step in there at some point. Who knows if it's this year, but nonetheless. In fairness, if this were redraft, it would have been Mike Wallace. Because I think Mike Wallace will outproduce Jeremy Macklin in redraft. But I like Jeremy Macklin more in Dynasty. That's fair. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, too. And again, the Patrick Mahomes thing is a big deal. And it's it's going to be a very good offense going forward. And it's going to be an offense that we haven't seen from Kansas City for a very long time. I'm excited. I'm excited for Mahomes to Macklin. Who you got? Man, I'm, I'm again, I got the shaky hand because you sort of threw a curveball at me right there. How was Jeremy Macklin a curveball? Wasn't that an obvious pick? Uh, it, I thought that's who you wrote down. No, it's not who I wrote down. I'm not sure anymore exactly what I'm going to do here. But uh, all right. You could just go with Mike Wallace. That would be a very solid pick with your fourth value wide receiver who's well past the age apex already brought him up though it's not as it's not as interesting so i'm gonna switch it up and i'm probably gonna regret it but i am going to take with my fourth pick and again the very important veteran wide receiver off i'm going to take michael crabtree wide receiver oakland is michael crabtree underrated i considered him but i don't think he's underrated is he uh crabtree is going drafted average pick number 66 32nd wide receiver off the board that's fair i mean it's not as far down as the other guys garcon was 54 when you took uh deshaun he was 63 right so michael crabtree 14.8 fantasy points per game last year that was outside the top 12 and he's going to be 30 years old when the season starts and he's now been usurped as the number one wide receiver in oakland amari cooper is going to be the target leader there for the foreseeable future I don't think of Michael Crabtree as this exceptional value. In the draft that I just talked about, that Roto Underworld startup mock that I participated in with Jacob Rickroad, I did draft Michael Crabtree. Michael Crabtree was a value in that draft. But generally speaking, I don't think of Michael Crabtree as someone who's underappreciated by the Dynasty community any longer. Maybe if this was two years ago, he was underappreciated. Not any longer, Nate. I object to that. I... All right, fine. Let me. Can, we'll petition the judges to disqualify that okay. selection. Michael Crabtree's not underrated. All right, give me a chance. Let me redeem myself. Let me redo my fourth pick then. No, you forfeit this pick. I get the next pick. And then you get two in a row. Son of a bitch. Go ahead. With my fourth selection, I am going to take a wide receiver that everyone can agree is undervalued. It's universal. And I believe his target share will rise this year because his play has only gotten better. As this player gets older, he only becomes more and more and more efficient. Talk about metrics like production premium and target premium. Every year, this slot receiver is one of the more efficient wide receivers in the NFL. And yet because... I hope you don't do this. He went undrafted and he's small. God damn it. He just doesn't get the respect that he deserves. Because he went undrafted, Mike Clay doesn't even know he exists. His name's Cole Beasley. See? God damn it. You know, you make me skip my pick. This is what happens. And then you jump me. You need to take real slapers. 
Not Michael fucking Crabtree. It's Cole Beasley. <laughs> oh, my God. Cole Beasley posted a 20% target share last year, which was 34th in the league. His hog rate, which is targets per snap, because the Cowboys ran so many heavy packages last year, two wide receiver sets. Cole Beasley wasn't on the field as much as Terrence Williams and Des Bryant. But when he was on the field, he was targeted heavily. 16.3% hog rate, top 10 in the NFL. So if the game flow shifts for Dallas this year and they're not winning in the second half in as many games as they were the previous year, that means more snaps, more opportunities, more routes for Cole Beasley, and those fantasy points are going higher at age 28. Okay. You know Cole Beasley can execute a 360-degree windmill slam at 5'8". That just doesn't seem relevant to a football. He is one of the more explosive wide receivers in the NFL, a 127.6 82nd percentile burst score. That's why Cole Beasley's 378 yards after the catch is top 15 in the NFL because the moment he secures the football, he goes upfield. That's my fourth pick in this meaningless veteran wide receiver off. And you now need to redeem yourself. This is a crucial pick for you. This pick is everything. Okay. Everything is on the line right now. This is a do or die pick for you. It didn't feel like everything till you set it up like that. Um, Okay. You can't fuck this up. I'm very nervous here. No, I know. Thanks for that one also. Um, You want to pile anything else on it? Add a little more pressure before I put this in from 30 feet away? All right. <laughs> this guy is, is going to be a sneaky pick because I don't think he fit in your uh, age group that you were citing, but he will be 28 come the start of the season in September. And this is a player that is in a is on an offense that is very productive. It's a pass-heavy offense. One of the best offenses in the league. One injury makes this guy the top receiver on his own team. And he's shown it through his career that he can do that. So with my fourth pick, my redo pick, in the very important mock five-player veteran off draft that we are doing, I am going to take Mohamed Sanu, wide receiver, Atlanta Falcons. What an atrocious pick that was. Here we go. Do you feel embarrassed right now? You do, right? No, I don't feel embarrassed. He's the wide receiver 93 currently. You're tilting. One injury to Julio Jones makes Mohamed Sanu very relevant. You're tilting. And he's relevant anyways. You only have five players you can draft, and you're drafting unathletic handcuffs? What do you want me to select here? Do you want me to take my Des Bryant now? No, you. it's not that hard of a game. There, okay, I, I'll wait. I'm not going to take Mike Wallace. You, you can have Mike Wallace. Why didn't you just pick Mike Wallace? I don't want Mike Wallace. If it's between Mike Wallace and Mohamed Sanu, you're doing this game wrong. I'm just doing it because it was uninteresting. I'm taking Mike Wallace. Have Mike Wallace. I'm not allowing you to play footsie with me with this game. I'm just going to do the no-brainer thing. Take Mike Wallace. His target share is going up. It was less than 18% last year. It's going to be over 20% this year. He was already a top 30 wide receiver last year, only scoring four touchdowns. He'll get a target boost, a touchdown regression. Mike Wallace looks like a locked-in WR2 in fantasy this year. I think he's a great value just for what he will offer in his age 31 season. Give me all the Mike Wallace. I love my team. Well, I don't know if this is correct or not, but I'm going to go with it because I'm looking at the current ADP for keeper leagues on MFL, and I've only got wide receivers pulled up, and I do not see this player's name at all. And I'm going to go with it. 
because he's been the go-to receiver forever there, and I don't see any signs of it dropping off significantly at this point. So with my fifth pick as a total recovery pick, I am going to select Julian Edelman, wide receiver, New England Patriots. It's okay. I mean, he does have an ADP. Well, it's below 106 on the list of wide receivers then. You drafted Julian Edelman at slot 84 in the Roto Underworld startup mock. That's a fact. I believe in him. He's a producer. You have to have some veterans on your team. That's about where he should go. I agree with that. I think he is considered a value because, generally speaking, players that are age 29, 30, 31 are underappreciated in the Dynasty League community. So let's summarize. My team is so stacked and so awesome and so much better than yours. Deshaun Jackson, Eric Decker, Jeremy Macklin, Cole Beasley, Mike Wallace. Eat it. That's a fine roster. Fine, fine. That's as close to best case scenario as you're going to get. What's your roster? Let's not forget, okay? We let off with Emmanuel Sanders. We followed it with Kenny Britt. Followed it with Pierre Garçon. Those were three incredible picks. You were better than me. You were leading this game after three picks, and then there's There's one pick in here that may be regrettable. You just failed. There's one there's one pick here. But you know what? I, I think that, that there could be some bust potential over there on that roster too, pal. So I, I have Mohamed Sanu at four. Oh. The questionable decision, and I followed it up with Julian Edelman at five. I don't know. By the end of the year, Matt, total fantasy points. They could be a lot closer than you think. He's doing the choke symbol. That's offensive in most cultures. I think he's actually choking himself. So you didn't redeem yourself. You lost that game. But I feel like there is a way for you to redeem yourself because if anyone's paying attention to what we do on the show, what we find is that you have an incredible depth of knowledge, particularly when it comes to evaluating the rookie running backs, because you start evaluating these rookies when they're underclassmen. And we talked about the need for more talent at the running back position. We need more elite players at the running back position in the NFL. It's a significant need. We would all agree with that. And this running back class was sold to be the savior class. Letter for that! A bunch of other guys! Then Dalvin Cook went out and ran a 7-2-7-3 cone. Did you know that, Nate? Did you know that Dalvin Cook ran a 7-2-7-3 cone? Yeah, I see it every morning. How much is Tweet Deck paying you to do this? God, every morning. Tweet Deck's not paying us, but Maisie is. Talk to us about Maisie for a minute. Let's talk about Maisie for a minute. I, I love Maisie. In fact, I had a little situation today. I, the cool part about Maisie, which is a, a new form of communication, an app where you can move your entire Dynasty League from the Facebook chat or the Voxer or the Instant Messenger, whatever it is, and move it into one concise app. I had a thing today where you can make these little channels. So you can have the group chat for general conversation and you can have one for topics that are off the wall. I don't know, whatever you want. Just league rules. Sure, league rules. I made one that says off-season trades view only. So that way everybody could go to it. I post what team traded what to what other team. I do it in one message so everybody can see it. Well, today a trade went down and I posted it in there and all the guys started responding in the view only thread, which drove me nuts. So I had to remind everybody, <laughs> let's, let's take it back to the general conversation. But Anyways, it's a great app. You're trying to play traffic cop on Maisie. <laughs> I love it. It's awesome. Well, the beauty is on any one of these channels, you can decide whether you want to receive notifications or not. So you can mute notifications on any channel within a group. I love it. 
And I also love your analysis of rookie players because you clued me into this. When I talked to you a year ago about this rookie class, you said this rookie class is not as good as it's been sold to be. And you mentioned that Dalvin Cook was not the athlete that people think he is. You knew that because you looked at his Nike Spark Camp testing from years ago and reminded me that athletes are what they are. They don't suddenly develop game-changing athleticism if game-changing athleticism was not one of their inherent traits beforehand. And I know you've been looking at the 2018 class. Is the 2018 class potentially, potentially, potentially the savior running back class that the 2017 class was sold to be? I think it can be. Um, I think that the difference between what we've seen this year from the class that came in and what's coming in next year is that there is a real amount of solid testing that's been done to help validate you know, some of these guys' performances already and what they're going to bring to the NFL. Like you were talking about with Dalvin Cook, some guys genetically just have it. And the difference is when you look at a player, you can tell how hard they've worked in the offseason or the years up to when they go to the combine. If when they came in out of high school, they tested and ran, say, a, a four- 640 and that 40 drops to say a 44 and they maintain that as they gain 5 10 15 20 pounds these are the guys that are working their butts off in the gym and they're maintaining their 40 while they're putting on their size and usually you'll see that any guy their vertical leap should go up from their high school testing these kids are 16 17 18 when they do these tests one of the guys i'm going to talk about here in a second tested in ninth grade so the numbers generally get better so I'll go through a list here. I've got 10 players. It's kind of my way too soon order of the guys coming in next year. Hopefully some declare. Ooh, you already have a top 10 list for next year? I do. Ooh, okay. (laughs) We'll talk about some of the athleticism and stuff and a little bit of the numbers. Let me pop some popcorn. Pop it. All right, well, we'll start with the universal number one as it stands right now. Saquon Barkley. And that's uh, Saquon Barkley. Yes, I got it right. Yes, I know. Debbie Prospects. Uh, So he's right. All these will be running backs, by the way, if people didn't gather that yet. So yes, top 10 running backs out of Penn State. um, Sophomore last year has had back to back incredible seasons. His freshman year at Penn State, 182 attempts, over a thousand yards, seven touchdowns, 20 receptions. This is a guy that's already got 48 receptions on his college resume. Could be in line for another 25 or 30 next year. So he's going to come in and so validate. in other words, infinitely more than Joe Williams. Infinitely more. And this is the, the best part about Saquon Barkley. So if you look at his high school testing, a lot of these guys 40 times are generally not great back when they test in high school. And he tested with a 4.66. However, at the time, he had a 36-inch vertical out of high school. So that number should go up. And Penn State in the winter conditioning program at the end of 2016 was timing all their athletes. And Saquon Barkley was timed running a 4.33. So this is three and a half years later. Get the hell out of here. A 4-3-3. No. So it's very possible that when Saquon Barkley comes to the combine, you're going to see him run in the low 4-4s and probably with that vertical leap somewhere between 36 and 40 inches. So he's going to be a very explosive, very fast athlete. We've seen it with a lot of these other guys. Wait, so we're finally going to get a class that's both 
exceptionally productive and incredibly athletic. We're finally going to get that class the that we've been of, hoping for. The top of this class should should bill out to be the most athletic running back class we've seen in a long time. At least the top five should be very, very good. Better than 2015. Better than 2015. 2015 was built to be that, but you know it didn't deliver, unfortunately, at the very top. I mean... Oh, Amir Abdullah, very athletic. David Johnson, one of the most athletic running backs we've ever seen. Todd Gurley couldn't test. Melvin Gordon, upper percentile athleticism across the board. Pretty athletic class. You're saying this class is even more athletic. Yeah, it'll be more athletic than that. We wanted to marinate on Saquon Barkley because he's just so special. But let's go rapid fire the rest of these running backs. Who's number two? We're going to go purely athleticism. We're not going to go stats. So number two, obviously right now we're going to go Darius Geis, LSU. 2014, he weighed in at 217 pounds, ran a hand time of 4.32 with a 30-inch vertical leap. Jesus. Bear in mind, back in high school, Joe Mixon, he jumped the 31-inch vertical. Then when he tested at his pro date, jumped 35. So we expect Darius Geis to definitely jump in that mid-30s range. So have that low 4.4s, that 35-inch vertical leap, incredible you know, short area quickness. Three cones should be unbelievable. Oh, my God. Number three, we're going to go Nick Chubb out of Georgia. I haven't given up on Nick Chubb. Uh, at the Nike opening in 2013 at 217 pounds, Nick Chubb ran a 4.47 with a 40-inch vertical leap. Shut your mouth. That's giving me a Chubb. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, extremely productive. We'll talk about him another time. Before he got injured in 2015, he was off to a hot start. Five 100-yard rushing games. Wait, is he back from the injury or not? Is he back? Well, I don't. I don't think he looks the same as he did. Well, the point is, we're not doctors. Like with Jimmy Graham, he was hurt. He's come back, rehabilitated. He's Nick Chubb. Don't overthink it. Don't discount Nick Chubb because you think you're a doctor. Who's next? All right, number four on the list. We're gonna go Kalen Balage. Running back, Arizona State University. Who the hell is that? A big back. He's he's going to be one of the bigger bruising backs in this class. He's He can do everything that Leonard Fournette can do right now. And there's a foot race video online of him racing uh, last year with senior wide receiver Tim Wright, who ran a 40 time of 4.49, and Balage beats him by three or four steps. And Balage has been laser timed at a 4.37 at six foot two, 230 pounds. This is a guy that cuts on a dime explosive this will be a guy that could Whoa. come into the combine run low four fours at 230 pounds mid four fours that's sort of that deontay foreman type number but way more explosive and he's the thumper that foreman just isn't so let's move on number five this is what a lot of people have at i think number three in some spots but lj scott michigan state six foot one 230 pounds and high school he tested he ran a four seven six jeez these guys are big 30-inch vertical leap. LJ Scott looks way quicker than a 4.76. Again, this is back in high school. So look for him to test in the you know low to mid 4.5s, probably vertical leap around 33, 34, 35 inches. All right. Easy on the eye test quickness evaluation, Mr. Dalvin Cook. Oh, here we go. Yeah, and before Dalvin Cook, you thought Elijah Hood was explosive and a great athlete. So, so I'm not taking your eye test athleticism evaluations on face value. All right, here we go. You're going you're gonna to like this one then. I think this is number six on the list. Bo Scarborough, Alabama, another big boy. 6'2", 235 pounds. 235? These guys are huge. At the Under Armour Recruiting Combine in 2013, he runs a 4.59, 31-inch vertical, 10-foot-3 broad jump, 6.783 cone. What? 
six, seven, eight, three cone. So this could be a more agile version of Derrick Henry. Very possible. And he's coming. He's out of that same Alabama <laughs> group. <laughs> Who's next? All right. We're going to go next on the list. Miles Gaskin, Washington, 5'11", 200 pounds. This spring at UW. Finally, someone who's not 235 pounds. Yeah, a little less, but I think by the time he gets to the NFL, you're looking at that sort of 210, 215. But at the UW Combine, air quotes here, ran a 4440, 39-inch vertical leap. This is just this last year, so very explosive athlete. Next on the list, a guy that people thought was going to declare this year, went back for another year, going to go Royce Freeman out of Oregon. I like Royce Freeman. He's good, right? Yeah, yeah, he is. He's very good. He's got all the production in the world. Very productive. Yeah. And hopefully hopefully he gets it together this year and, and comes out and has a strong combine. But he ran a 4.58, 33 and a half inch vertical leap. That's a big guy that's jumping 33 and a half inches. Look for him to probably jump even a little more than that. Next on the list, Ronald Jones, a second USC, six foot one, 195, 200 pounds. Ran a 4.41 at age 17. This is one of those guys that was a little younger, of course, when they tested. But another very productive player out of USC, has a lot of shift. Last on the list for me, Sony Michelle, Georgia, 5'11", 222 pounds. Out of high school, they tested him in ninth grade in 2010. Had a 31-inch vertical. His name's Sony Michelle? Sony Michelle. Sony like the camcorder? I think Sony like the camcorder. 24-7 sports has him at a 4'540 right now. So another big guy out of Georgia playing with Nick Chubb. But he's not going to be Keith Marshall, right? Uh, I hope that he's not Keith Marshall. I think he's more in that class of like the Kenyan Drake in the opportunity usage where he's sort of been buried behind all these productive players that have played at Georgia. You know, obviously, even before Chubb, we had Todd Gurley. So I think he just hasn't ever had that full time role. And when Chubb went down, opportunities were given. But yeah, he's another one of those very good athletes, bigger, you know. You're on the record on the Sonic Truth podcast having him in your top 10. If he ends up being Keith Marshall, we will hold you accountable. The Sonic Truth audience and myself will come to your house with torches to hold you accountable. Teller, that's old news. You're not a doctor. Draft Jimmy Graham. And all these guys are in the top 10 because somebody has to be in the top 10. Lock it in. No pun intended. Lock it in. Oh, wow, dude. I, I didn't even realize you were going with that. Lock it in. Write it down. You're not writing it down. I wrote your 100 targets down. Write my 10 touchdowns down. Write it down. Jimmy Graham, write it down. That's the name of the show. Jimmy Graham, write it down. That's the name of the show.
not lock it in because that was just a silly pun that you didn't know you were making. Shut your mouth. That's giving me a chub. <laughs> this show is not going to have the normal intro. Last week on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. We're not having that. It's just going to be Adele's Skyfall. Because the sky fell on Jeff Miller. It shook the foundation of the fantasy football community. R.I.P. Dagger! All that confused about it. We have to at least pretend that the songs aren't added to the show later. A moment of silence for those that have been crushed and we're moving forward, but we felt like we should honor the dead. Oh, Jesus Christ. Did you know that, Nate? Did you know that Dalvin Cook ran a 7273 cone? Yeah, I see it every morning. Dagger! He's doing the choke symbol. That's offensive in most cultures. Buzzard emails, you having a fake list, and us basically having nothing. I'm not allowing you to play footsie with me with this game. We will hold you accountable. The Sonic Truth audience and myself will come to your house with torches to hold you accountable. It's really funny how many big-time people have DM'd me and they love what we did. You know, they won't say it publicly, which is fine. Jameis Winston and Deshaun Jackson wear the same gloves. <laughs> wow, Michael Floyd's living with former teammate Kyle Rudolph. Because it says former friend and former teammate at Notre Dame, Kyle Rudolph. And he goes, former friend, question mark. That's going to be an awkward drive home. <laughs> oh, my God. That is amazing. I like Michael Floyd. Oh, yeah. He's got the draft capital eight years ago. That means Mike Clay likes him. <laughs> Shots fired. Dude, waiting on that quarter old Patterson breakout. Dagger! <laughs> right, it's right around the corner. <laughs> he still believes Kevin White's the true number one wide receiver for the Bears. Until further notice! There's no winning opinion on Kevin White anymore. What do you mean? With Kevin White, the good guys won. It was one of those things where Amari Cooper and Kevin White had the same ceiling, but Kevin White's floor was an abyss compared to Amari Cooper's. Dude, a spindle of CDs. I don't even know why I still have one of these. In like 15 years, this is going to be the equivalent to the like paper in the movie Waterworld. Welcome to Waterworld! AJ Green's past the AJ Apex. Des Bryant's past the AJ Apex. Julio. The wide receiver cohorts aging. Needs some new blood. Needs some Chris Godwin to step up. I was trying to think of two-letter acronym that would imply stupidity, but I couldn't think of one for a joke for you. Interesting. Like, you know, just a two-letter acronym that implied, you know, a lack of intelligence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I couldn't think of it, so I just, I just, so I just sat here with dead air. Heads there, flip it. Okay, tails on the other side. It's legit, folks. It's real. It's real. That's a quarter. Will you mail me that quarter? Do you need that? 
Thank you, Nate. That was very important that you validated the authenticity of this quarter as if I would have a fake quarter for this stupid game that we play on the Sonic Truth podcast. But okay, thanks for that contribution. See you on the other side. I'll be looking forward to your tweet tomorrow morning.